NFL Week 14 almost upon us, recording a day early this week ahead of a holiday outing with some coworkers I got from the straight job. But here to dive into the NFL Week 14 slate, I am thrilled to be joined by Captain Jack Andrews. A lot of you may know Jack as an advantage player, a key part of the operation over at unabated.com, and everyone's best friend at a craps table. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. On the platform formerly known as Twitter, you can follow him at CapJack2000. Jack, great to see you once again. Welcome back to Props and Hops. All right, Matt. Uh, pleasure to be here with you. Let's get going. Let's do it. And as we kick things off, want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's with us live on YouTube and Twitter. Feel free to weigh in with any questions or comments, and we'll look to work that into the show when possible. Jack, I would like to lead with full transparency and just hit the ground running in this conversation and acknowledge that I am in a rut when it comes to my NFL betting. And regular listeners will not find that to be news at all. I'm not here to hide anything. I mean, to start the season, sides were cold, but teasers and props were on fire. I kind of thought things would regress toward the middle. And the teasers and props have regressed toward the middle, but the sides have just remained ice cold for me. And I know that there are some mechanics of betting when it comes to bankroll management, line shopping, uh, tracking CLV, things along those lines. But really having you on the show, I'd love to talk about the process, if you've experienced anything similar in your own past, about how you approach mentally navigating any rough patches in gambling. Yeah, I mean, sure, Matt. I've, <laughs> I've experienced a lot of losses. I, there's no hiding it. I've been doing this for about 20 years now. And, uh, you know, I won't bore you with stories, but there's been times when I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Why, why is this so tough? Like, why can't I catch a break? Uh, woe is me. Uh, and honestly, Matt, I think it's like a key delineation point between if you're approaching this recreationally or you're approaching this seriously, it's not how you win. It's how you deal with losses, right? Like that's what makes you different than everybody else is that you're able to look at this with the big picture and say, wow, I'm getting my butt kicked lately, but I believe in what I'm doing. I know I'm doing the right thing. I know I have the positive EV. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean you don't second guess yourself and you don't check under the hood and make sure that everything that you think should work is, you know, being done correctly. Cause there's a lot of nuance in sports betting, right? There's a lot of things that if you just do it the wrong way or this a slightly different timing, you really hurt your chances to come out ahead. Um, you know, I know you, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to you. I know you're a fan of teasers and I, you, you preach yourself, play the teasers later in the week, play them closer to game time. That's one of those things that I think people sometimes do wrong is they play them too early in the week. Um, so that's something that I think you're, you're fine on. Uh, but when it comes to losing, man, you just have to kind of figure it out that you, you stay solid in your mind. You, you approach it with um, the knowledge that you have the edge and go from there. Now, the one other thing I'll say to you though, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to say, all right, you know what? Sides and totals or whatever have been kicking my ass. Let's just uh, let's just lay off them this week. Let's focus on the props, the low-hanging fruit. Um, I like to tell people that when you're losing, you gain a lot of leeway with sports books. You can bet heavier into props. You can bet heavier into promotions. You, if you have a host, a lot of these new regulated sports books in the U.S. they have hosts. You can call your host up or text them or whatever you do to contact them and say, "Hey, uh, look, I'm going to fire in another two thousand dollar deposit." What are you going to give me for it? Because I'm losing my my shirt over here. And they'll give you something. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe it'll just be, you know, a 10% bonus. Maybe it'll be a 100% bonus. I've seen that happen plenty of times. Uh, maybe it'll be tickets to a game or something like that. But go into mooch mode. Feel free to uh, try to get all the free stuff you can. I really appreciate all the context there. A few of my instant takeaways would be, number one, from a more mechanical standpoint, Maybe look to expand the attack service where there might be other areas of opportunity if some of the bread and butter on a week-to-week -week basis hasn't been going as well of late. Or from a mental standpoint, knowing that it's all right to take a break, I feel like the way things are going, I'm not there quite yet, and I hope not to get there. But I do think it's important to realize that that's always an option in our back pocket at any moment should we need it. But Jack, as I look to proceed moving forward for the time being we can talk about some sides on the nfl week 14 slate and to kick that off what would you identify as your favorite side as the board currently sits 
All right. Well, you know, Matt, I'm not much of a pick person. I don't like to put picks out there because people tend to judge you by your picks. But I'll make an exception for you because, Matt, I like you. And I, I think there is some value on the board this week. Um, the, the game I'm looking at is the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Uh, Kansas City coming off a short week, Buffalo coming off their bye week. And normally that would be priced in, right? So we would say, you know, ah, look, that's already priced in. One and a half plus one and a half on Buffalo just seems, uh, you know, too short for a game in Kansas City. However, my second source of truth when I look at handicapping in the NFL is my buddy Rufus's Massey Peabody ratings. And doing the mental math of comparing their rating systems, this line actually should probably be Buffalo almost at Pickham and we're getting plus one and a half. And that doesn't factor in the, uh, the rest period and the short week and things like that. So I feel like we're getting a little bit of uh, an extra couple of points here. I'm willing to go with Buffalo plus one and a half. All right. Buffalo plus one and a half. And uh, if somebody hears a one and a half point underdog early on in the show, they can probably bet that we're going to circle back to it when we talk teasers. But I like that just from a straight up standpoint at the current point spread, there appears to be some value on the bills. And Jack, I'm going to talk about another side that may come up again in the teaser section of the show. The Denver Broncos plus two and a half. You can find that at even money at the Chargers and shop around. Some of the final plus threes are still out there at minus 120. I think a plus three minus 120 and a plus two and a half even money are more or less the same in terms of expected value. And I'd make that a, a pretty good price cutoff. And a big part of the show, trying to be true to my roots when I'm struggling and not overthinking things in my own individual purview, getting back to curation as my form of creation and leaning on trusted sources, much like you mentioned with Rufus and the Massey Peabody rankings, a couple of handicappers who I've gotten to know and really respect over the years, Fabian Summer, aka Suma on Gambling Twitter Circles on the Forward Progress podcast. And then our good friend Steve Bezik on the Bet US NFL show also made a good case for Denver on the episode today. When it came to Suma's handicap, he talked about the Chargers being a very one-dimensional offense. They can't run the ball. And honestly, their one dimension in the passing game is basically Justin Herbert playing well, Keenan Allen playing lights out, and then a bunch of drops everywhere else you look. So even the one dimension isn't much to hang your hat on. So that could make it really difficult for the Chargers to amass a margin in this one. And then from a broader perspective, Fezzik's handicap looked at things from a power rating standpoint. The Chargers are quite possibly the better team, but only by a slight margin. And they have a minimal home field advantage, as we all know by this point. So that makes it really tough to get to three on this or a plus two and a half even money for Denver. All things considered, again, shop around for some of those final plus threes where you can find them at minus 120 or better. Otherwise, consider this good at Denver plus two and a half even money. Jack. Before we move on to teasers, again, we'll come back on Buffalo and Denver. Any thoughts on that Denver at the Chargers matchup? No, I like it. Uh, yeah, we're going to come back to that on the teaser segment, of course. But I do I do like Denver's been a solid team this year. Chargers seem to, they don't know what they're doing. So, yeah, I like it. All right, story of my life as a Chargers fan, wondering what the heck's going on out there. But <laughs> We will move right along, and we've teased it enough, the teaser segment. It's going to be pretty juicy this week. Usually, my default MO is to look at any fits in that classic Stanford Wong model, crossing through three and seven. And at first, I didn't think this segment would have a ton of juice to it this week because there's basically one fit looking at consensus numbers right now, and that would be Buffalo plus seven and a half at Kansas City. Denver, you could argue, is a fit, but with that number shaded toward the three, I tend to diminish the value a little bit. From a teaser standpoint, you can also get a bit creative perhaps and look at Baltimore minus one hosting the Rams. Again, you're starting at seven versus teasing down through the seven, but it's some sharp books such as Chris Bookmaker. That one is shaded toward the seven and a half. So we can get a little creative here. Jack, I will toss it to you to tell us how you're looking at the NFL week 14 teaser slate. All right. So this is a tough year for teasers because, yes, the prices have really fallen off a cliff if you're betting two team or three team. Personally, I don't have any good outs for two-team or three-team teasers anymore. It's kind of disappointing. But I kept shopping around, and this year what I've been doing is playing a lot of five-team and six-team teasers. Um, Superbook, they're available in a lot of states. They're in Nevada. They still offer five-team, six-point, 
plus 450, which if you kind of do the math of that, Mm. that is like getting plus 170 or so on a three-teamer. That's like Mm. getting minus 110 on a two-teamer. Things that, you know, we thought were long gone. Now, you add in a lot of variance with this, right? Um, It it makes it a lot tougher because you're going to have to bet lower and win less often. But when you win, you win more. So that's the first step. The second thing is we have this tool at Unabated that I'm sure a lot of people are already aware of called our teaser tool. And it'll basically compute the alt line prices of all of these games for whatever you teaser combination you want to put in there. And it'll spit out when there's a positive EV teaser leg or a negative EV. And then also take your total uh, you know, five team teaser, for instance, and tell you what your total EV is on that. So going through the, the, uh, card for this week, you know, obviously, yeah, I love Buffalo plus one and a half. I love Denver plus two and a half. Um, when I bet it a couple hours ago, just to kind of put my money where my mouth is, it was actually plus three, um, minus one twenty at, uh, Superbook. It's since gone down to plus two and a half, even money. It's pretty much the same bet though. So, uh, that's still in there. And uh, let's see, what else did I have? I had Tampa Bay uh, teasing them up and not gaining the um, not gaining the hook. So Tampa Bay up to plus seven. That still had positive EV value. Uh, Green Bay on the Monday night game, teasing from minus six and a half to minus a half. Now you're probably saying, well, minus a half, that can't have a lot of value. No, it can't. However, there is value there with the six and the three, and this line has been moving more towards seven. Um, Massey Peabody, for instance, put it around like eight and a half as well. So I think it, it has even more to go. And so I, that has value according to our tool. And then Baltimore, uh, teasing them down from minus seven to minus one. I really like Baltimore this week. Um, we don't know what we're getting from the Rams this week uh, in terms of injuries yet. And so Baltimore going from minus seven to minus one. Yes, you're only getting half of the seven, but that's still plenty of value because that's another line that's sort of kind of been leaning more towards the seven and a half. And I think if any of those injury news uh, information from the Rams doesn't go their way, that's going to go Baltimore to minus seven and a half at least. So um, I did give you a, I gave you a graphic of all this because spouting off five teams is never easy. So if you want to put that graphic up and show what I got, um, everybody can kind of look at it. That's at least watching the stream. Yeah. With my very professional and advanced stream yard skills. Here we go. We've got an overlay. Yeah, I'll pop up to the side a little bit. We're still yeah, here. We so anybody's... There you go. Here we go. We, we almost choreographed this perfectly. So if anybody is watching us live here on Twitter, or YouTube, or also on Spotify in the podcast feed, it still comes through as video. So if you're listening in the background and want to just pop into the foreground for a moment, take a look. Uh, we've got Jack's teaser bet broken down. And Jack, something that stands out to me here, I'm seeing a couple of numbers. You referenced Baltimore teasing from minus seven to minus one, Tampa Bay teasing up to plus seven, not getting the hook, Green Bay starting short of the seven and teasing down to minus a half. Typically in scenarios like that, it might make it a lot tougher to extract full value out of a teaser because we're not getting the best around some key numbers. Is it the fact that the the payout just makes the math check out regardless or, or what is it? I mean, on this unabated graphic, we can see an overall Mm -hmm. edge of 17.79%. I mean, that, that sounds monstrous. And I'm surprised to see that when we're not getting the hook on Tampa Bay, when we're teasing green Bay from six and a half to minus a half. So how do you look at the way that the overall value computes from a pure mathematical standpoint and reconcile that with the fact that in some cases here, we're not necessarily getting the best of some of those T numbers. Yeah, so a couple of factors at play here. One is that for the last 20 years, we've all relied on Stanford Wong and his findings in sharp sports betting. And we said, okay, you got to get the three, the six, and the seven. But how many people actually sat down and figured out the actual math of what you're getting crossing all those numbers and, and what the six is exactly worth, what the seven is exactly worth? And with the six and the seven, especially if you're getting half of it or getting one of the two, you're getting a decent amount of value combined with the three. So uh, I know this throws a lot of people off that there is value outside of just the uh, tease down from seven and a half and eight and a half and tease up from one and a half to two and a half. There's value in a lot of other numbers. 
where there's probably not value, and I almost threw one in here just to kind of explain this, is te teasing any totals. Teasing any totals never works. There's a total of, a th of 30 for this Thursday night game. Even teasing the under and taking it all the way up to 36, no value. It's actually like slight, just slightly negative, but it's still negative. Um, but you know, Matt, that's one of the things that I've learned since we started Unabated is what you think you know about sports betting isn't necessarily what there is all to know. There's a lot of nuance in sports betting. There's a lot of things that you're going, oh, wait a minute. No, there's actually value here. Um, there's people that have used our teaser tool in other sports, other sports that people say, oh, you know, you never tease that sport. And they've done it and they found big value and they've been highly successful doing it. Um, it's just one of those things that Andrew Mack actually wrote an article recently and he talked about this where um, basically the, the tagline of the article is be more Bayesian. In other words, don't necessarily think that you know everything with certainty. Consider the possibility that you don't possibly know everything and try to figure it out for yourself. And you'll find a lot more value in everything if you second guess your assumptions. And I would say if anybody teased the Lions on Thanksgiving or teased the Jags last week, that notion has come front and center all too painfully very recently. So to that end, I'm going to clean this up a bit. Uh, let me get back to my very not so savvy StreamYard skills, bring this graphic down. Um, in the spirit of the way you wrap that up and, and thinking more Bayesian and, and not thinking that you have everything figured out. I always try to preach bankroll management. Sometimes it seems like a slam dunk with teaser legs in recent weeks, like the Jags on Monday night hosting Cincinnati, like the Lions on Thanksgiving hosting Green Bay before the Packers really started to surge. So not saying to unload on anything necessarily, but of the five legs you identified, a couple that I really do like for teaser appeal this week would be Baltimore down to minus one hosting the Rams. I think in that game, an interesting wrinkle is that it, it is shaping up to be a bit of a bad weather game. And I know it's it's not just rain or temperatures, but wind can play a major role. Uh, more on that to come a bit later on in the show. And I have heard a couple of people make the interesting point that bad weather in this Ravens-Rams matchup might hurt either team's ability to build margin. But if we just look at the way it affects the way these teams prefer to play stylistically, it doesn't necessarily have to hurt the Ravens' ability to win outright. So maybe it puts a damper on Baltimore laying the points, but in a teaser taking them just to essentially win the game outright, it might actually enhance the prospects for Baltimore in that first leg of the teaser. And then with Buffalo, this seems crazy, but my first thought was this is a way to fade the Chiefs' offense and that unit's ability to establish a margin. Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. I feel like the drops at some point have to slow down, but the way that Buffalo is capable of playing as well, I just like the idea of taking the Bills to keep this as a one-score game. So, Jack, you identified five teaser legs that can offer value this week for those who can shop around accordingly. Any thoughts if I'm to hone it in on that more classic two-teamer, not laying more than minus 120 if we want to look at Baltimore and Buffalo as the two legs? Yeah, I think those definitely both have value for the reasons you you stated. All right, there we go. So plenty of food for thought when it comes to teasers this week. Maybe not quite as much juice when it comes to the props. We'll see how creative you felt like getting in that regard this week, Jack. But across the NFL Week 14 slate right now, I know a lot of books probably pretty early on in terms of pricing props. That can mean you can't get down as much, but it could also mean less efficient lines. So there might be a lot more opportunity there. Any props catching your eye looking ahead to this NFL Week 14 slate? So, yeah, when you told me I had to come up with a prop, I started looking at the Thursday game and, oh, that just looks like a horrible game. <laughs> couldn't couldn't find any. I mean, there is value in some of those outlier totals like that, such a low total. There could be value in some various prop plays, but the value is probably on the over, and I just couldn't stomach that for them. Uh, the game I came back to is this Baltimore uh, Rams game where we could have some weather impacts. But beyond the weather impacts, Baltimore is probably the best pass defense in the league. Uh, they're going against a banged up Rams team. Um, you know, we, we don't know the status of all the players. So this is, it's, it's a little bit dicey. Um, but if I had to like, you know, put money down on a prop right now, I would be looking at Matthew Stafford passing unders and the market seems to have absorbed that already. Uh, they're, they're, they're hovering around 200 at most locations, 200 yards passing. 
And that's not great because if you look at Matthew Stafford, he, you know, going over 200 yards passing is pretty easy for him. However, we do have wind. We have rain. Uh, we have the Baltimore defense. We have a banged up Rams uh, offense. And we do have, and as uneasy as this makes me, we do have a little bit of an outlier in the market. FanDuel's at 205 and a half, while everybody else is right around 200 to 198. And now anytime FanDuel takes a position like this, you got to at least raise an eyebrow and say, okay, why are they doing this? Look, FanDuel's not a square. They, you know, they have some sharp people there. They're, they're taking opinion because they have an opinion. So I did not bet this yet. However, I'm looking to bet Stafford unders. I'm hoping there's some positive news coming from the Rams uh, injury camp. And then that'll allow the line to creep up a little bit more so that I don't feel too icky if I have to take FanDuel and uh, basically me versus them. But uh, if I have to like set a line here at Stafford under 205 and a half at FanDuel, um, I'm not sure I would play this at 198 and a half that you find it like Caesars. All right. And one thing that could also benefit this look, Dan Rivera in the chat noting that Stafford has struggled against man defense. So in this particular matchup, one more possible feather in the cap there. And I'll note, you, you talked about the line at FanDuel being an outlier. And I also see that um, some books like Caesars or, or Pinnacle, I'm seeing 200 and a half shaded toward the under a good bit. Um, those are known to be also sharp books, books that will take a bet in a market like this. So usually if I see one book that's an outlier and Caesars and or Pinnacle are shaded the other way, that would tell me there is maybe even more value on that outlier number. So I heard your your thoughts kind of holding FanDuel in high regard with the way that they approach a market like this. But when you see other strong books maybe shaded the other way or taking a stance in the opposite direction, how does that factor into your thought process? I mean, really what the factor is, is that it's Wednesday evening and it's it's really too early to kind of be handicapping a lot of these. Yeah, you can kind of uh, circle a few and say, okay, I'm going to come back to that one. But making a decision now, not knowing everything we need to know with injury reports and, you know, weather and things like that, it's it's, it's too early to make any kind of call, um, even with a five-yard outlier like FanDuel has. All right. Well, one call I will go ahead and make right now is getting back to the basics, the official prop, if you will, of the Props and Hops podcast over the years. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. And I'm looking to attack that market in the Eagles Cowboys game on Sunday night. I am seeing this already up at minus 165 at a pretty established offshore. We should see this become more widely available closer to kickoff. And I would say minus 175 is probably my cutoff from a price standpoint here. I know that that could sound like a lot of juice to lay for such a specific bet. A one yard touchdown can sound like it really requires a team to thread the needle, but I think it happens a lot more often than most casual fans would guess. We could get pass interference in the end zone or just seeing the field get really compressed near the goal line, especially in a matchup like this. I also look at the total 51 and a half or 52, depending on the book. Highest total on the board by a good bit this week. And more points bodes well for the prospects of more touchdowns, which in turn bodes well for the likelihood of at least one one-yard touchdown. And when I look at these two teams, Jack, Dallas, prolific on offense. I think they're a pass or run threat at the goal line with Dak. So I think that dual threat ability down near the goal line could bode well for the Cowboys if they find themselves at the one. And with the Eagles, it's almost automatic with the shove these days. If they get to the one, we know what's coming, and minus 175 wouldn't be nearly expensive enough should the Eagles find themselves in that situation. So I know it's it's a bit of a math play, not breaking down any player handicaps in particular, but do you ever look at not just those player props, but a game prop such as this from a mathematical standpoint to try to uncover any edges in your own right? Uh, I do. I do. Uh, again, I'll, I'll talk about Rufus. Uh, Rufus has spreadsheets where he's analyzed this from a mathematical standpoint. So, you know, he basically enters in game information and it'll spit out what the correct line should be for hundreds of different game props. Um, he basically only uses them on the Super Bowl, but um, you can use it for other games during the year. So uh, I've definitely used it in the past and uh, it's, it's super strong. But uh, yeah, there's definitely value for all the reasons you said there. Look, that last Dallas-Philadelphia game, there was a, a couple missed DPIs. It's one of those things that if 
a referee was cognizant of that, or if a coaching staff made them cognizant of that, that tends to work its way into the game flow. Uh, you know, a, a borderline DPI gets called this time. And like you said, if it happens in the end zone, boom, you're at the one and uh, it, it's all over. All right. Well, I will keep my fingers crossed that we see whether it's PI in the end zone or just a chance for the Eagles to run that shove play should they get to the one would feel really good at that point. Regardless, we will turn the page with regard to this show. And I want to issue the weekly reminder to everybody that I'm partnering with the team over at Right Angle Sports in an affiliate capacity this season. And right now it's a it's a good time with their offerings bringing a little something to the table for everybody from the NFL to college basketball, where they've got unparalleled success over the years to their college football bowl service now being available. No obligation whatsoever, but if you're interested, you can support props and hops by supporting right angle sports. And I've built a custom link that you can use to do so tinyurlcom slash RAS picks. All right, Jack, I will get into a rapid fire rundown of the picks that we've discussed off the top of this show. We can dub it the Props and Hops NFL Week 14 portfolio. As far as sides go, Jack looking at Buffalo catching one and a half at Kansas City. And I'm on Denver catching two and a half at the Chargers. That plus two and a half good at even money or better. And again, there are a few minus threes still out there. So if you can get a plus three for Denver at minus 120 or better, consider that good as well. As far as teasers go, getting a little bit creative, Jack shared a five-teamer, getting six points, payout of plus 450, those five legs, Baltimore minus one, Tampa Bay plus seven, Buffalo plus seven and a half, Green Bay minus six and a half, and Denver plus eight and a half. If I'm to play a more standard teaser and look at two legs, I will go ahead and endorse Baltimore minus one hosting the Rams and Buffalo up to plus seven and a half at Kansas City. And when it comes to props, Jack, giving some strong consideration to Matthew Stafford under 200 and a half passing yards, but shop around. There is that 205 and a half still out there right now as we record this show on Wednesday evening. And then I'm in on the Eagles and the Cowboys shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. Currently seeing minus 165 at an established offshore. As we see more availability closer to kickoff, consider that one good up to minus 175. All right, Jack, that's about as much of a mouthful as I've had for a picks rundown on this show so far this season. But I also love to try to bring value to the table when it comes to the process behind the picks that we've come up with. And to that end, I often think of the phrase chaos breeds opportunity. And this week could really bring that to light. We've got significant weather when it comes to wind and rain in games hosted by Cleveland, Baltimore, Chicago, the Jets. It sounds like as the weeks progress, some of the forecasts have improved a little bit. So maybe not going to be really severe. Keep an eye on this if you're going to bet with any weather angles in mind. By this point, I think it's safe to assume that any big weather angles are built into pricing we see on totals. But in the prop betting market, there's often a much bigger attack surface. Things like no score in the first X minutes to start a game. Books might have first seven minutes, first 730 and so on. Sometimes I've looked at sacks under if the weather is so bad that we can bank on fewer passing plays. Do any of those angles stand out, Jack? Or do you have any other advice for betters who are seeking edges in games with inclement weather as we get into the winter weeks of the season? Well, I actually, when I started in sports betting, I focused on weather. That was my whole angle. Uh, it was related to home run hitting in baseball, related to the weather, and then related to barometric pressure, and related to... Uh, density altitude and it, it got, you know it got very complex there and it was it was very beneficial for a long time so I always have an eye towards the weather when it comes to angles and the NFL and college football are it's very nuanced and like that's something that I say a lot when it comes to sports betting it's very nuanced because not all weather is a blanket movement for instance rain on a turf field is different than rain on a grass field based on footing alone. Um, snow is not an under. Snow is an over. But, but when people see snow game, they rush to bet the under. So there's actually, the market goes very inefficient on snow games. Uh, now, if it is, it's a, there's, a diff there's a nuanced difference between falling snow and fall-in snow. So in other words, if the snow is still coming down, well, that's going to affect the game and it's going to you know maybe go a little bit more under-tilted. Um, but if the, the snow has already fallen, 
then definitely snow is an over, especially if it's still in the field and the field doesn't zap it up like we see with a lot of these NFL stadiums. The, the fields are all heated now, so like the snow doesn't really ever lay. But occasionally we get a game like that. The public loves to pound on the under, and more often than not, they go over. Um, so wind. Wind is the other one. Now, wind affects baseball very much. It affects football somewhat. But here's the thing. Not all wind is the same and not all stadiums are the same, Matt. So you need to have crosswind in order for there to have a big effect wind. And that's going to affect the passing and the kicking games. And that's what the effect is on, on with wind. Uh, but these stadiums are now built with all these models that have tested out the wind effects on the stadium. So it's very rare for one of the new modern stadiums that are outdoors anyway, that to have any wind effect there, you know, the ones that are built in windy cities are built like a brick house. There there's the wind doesn't get in there uh, where you have the wind effects is when you have stadiums that have some kind of, you know, open side to them. New England had it for a while. Philadelphia had it for a while uh, that has an effect. And if you have straight line wind, in other words, the wind is going to go up and down the field. Well, then you have an angle there with quarter pricing. Uh, because you got to see, you know, who's going to be kicking at which end zone in the fourth quarter, because uh, that's going to possibly affect the possibility of a, a field goal being made, things like that. So there's some uh, quarter scoring that goes into that. But crosswind is rare, and when you can find it, and when you can qualify that you have an angle with crosswind, it is very valuable. That felt like a two-minute masterclass in how to bet the NFL based on weather. And I would just add to your point, a, a lot of crosswind callouts there. There's one game I can recall that, if I'm right about this, didn't have a crosswind, but it was so severe that it almost didn't matter when it came to finding betting opportunity. A Monday night game a couple years ago with the Patriots at Buffalo. And to your point about from quarter to quarter, just knowing which team is going in which direction, it was almost as easy as saying, Okay, if a team is going with a crazy intense wind at its face, they're not going to be able to do much of anything. And if the team has the wind at its back, they can throw the ball and do a lot more. So almost just backing the team going with the winds uh -huh. at its back. So a lot of nuance to it. I know it's not as easy as you're saying, oh, there's crazy weather in Baltimore this week, but this, that, or the other. But for those willing to put in some work on the process-driven side of things, I think that's about as much insight as you'll get in an efficient period of time. So Jack, I appreciate you bringing that to the table. And while I've got you, I'd also love to weave in a couple pillars of this show, beginning with the Malinsky Minute. And I feel like it can be a two-parter this week. First off, when I think of Dave, I often think of how great he was, not only at grinding when it came to extracting as much value as possible from the betting boards, but also getting off the grid and understanding how to embrace life beyond betting. And that might transition into where a lot of people would think this is going. You recently took a break from social media. And I know from catching up with you prior to recording this conversation, it's not all that interesting from your perspective. I would like to touch on it briefly, if that's okay, because I think it could be profoundly interesting to someone listening to this episode. So first off, Jack, was there anything that led to you coming to a realization that you needed to take a break? Oh, definitely. There, I just felt that I was more and more getting myself worked up over things that don't matter, not just social media, but everything in my life at the time. And uh, it was, it was, you know, there were some outbursts here and there that I, I wasn't proud of. Um, and I, I just felt that, you know, let's, let's take a time out. Let's just, you know, see if we can do without it for a little while. There's other things in my life I can't control. I can't take a time out from them. So social media is one thing I could control. Now, I will say that Twitter is evil because you deactivate your account and Twitter continues to send you emails saying, hey, you're not on Twitter right now, but here's what they're saying about you. Swear to God, that's, that's how it works. Um, they keep trying to draw you back in. And then, so then I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll create a, a, a burner account that has zero followers and, and is following zero. Well, that is even worse because now Twitter just feeds you Everything that could possibly be very um, controversial, you know, where you, you most people take a side here or there, it feeds all that to you in your timeline. Oh, it's horrible, Matt. So um, after, and the other thing is, is after 30 days, if you deactivate your account, it's gone forever. It's deleted forever. So 
uh, basically within 30 days, you have to decide is it the devil you know or the devil you don't know is what you want to go forward with. So I went back to the devil I know and I reactivated my account. And I'm trying to take a little bit more chill now. That's crazy to hear about the emails you were getting. Even when trying to take a break, you couldn't fully break away from it. And you had a clock ticking to make a, a pretty binding decision within a month. During the time that you had stepped aside, were there any surprises that come to mind where, okay, when you went into the break, you were maybe expecting a certain outcome, but anything that took uh, an interesting twist for better or worse over the course of the break that surprised you? Uh, it surprised me the amount of people that reached out to me directly to check, make sure I'm okay. You know, it was very abrupt that I kind of, you know, pulled the plug and pretty much anybody who had my email address reached out to me. Uh, you know, journalists that I had given one interview to years before, people that had maybe asked me a question about something, you know, months or years before, they they all reached out. And I, I thought that was kind of touching. I, I didn't really expect that. Uh, and that was, you know, that that felt good to know that there are people out there that that cared enough to say, you know, hey, Jack, you OK? Um, I was I was more OK than it looked like. It, it looked a little too abrupt, but um, it, it needed to happen. And I think I'm better for it. Glad to hear that. And one final question on this topic. You may have touched on it with the kind outreach that you got during the break. But how did you ultimately realize that you were indeed ready to come back? Much to the delight of myself and others across the betting social media verse. Yeah, I, I probably realized I was ready to come back within two weeks. I, I realized that what I was dealing with by not having social media around just felt a little bit too hollow compared to how I'd lived my life for the past 10 plus years of social media engagement. So I knew I was going to come back. Uh, I wanted to ride it out to almost the full 30 days just to prove a point to myself, maybe a punitive point to myself of saying, okay, you know, you, you needed a break, enforce the break. Um, and maybe that'll make it so that you don't want to take a break down the line. And, and I have to admit, since I've been back on Twitter and not letting things get to me, not reading what other people have to say, um, that maybe, you know, just doesn't, doesn't need to be known, doesn't need to be said. I'm not saying I, I, I'm not open to other people's opinions. I'm just saying I just, sometimes there's, you know, trolling that goes on. You just let it wash away. And uh, it, you know, if you can forget about it an hour later, then great. You know, if you let it, if you stew about it all night long, which was, what I was doing on sometimes, um, that's not, it's not healthy for, for anyone. I am thinking a lot about what you're saying here and how it might connect to how we kicked off this conversation where you can always take a break from betting. And similarly, you can always take a break from social media. And to your point, sometimes it might seem crazy if somebody who's well-known in betting spaces stops betting, oh my goodness, what's wrong with them? If somebody's prolific on social media, such as yourself, and they want to go dark for a while, it might seem like, is their world caving in? What the heck's going on? But it's great to hear from your perspective that sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that the world is caving in. It's, it's maybe a sign that things haven't been going great. So it is time to reset in some way, shape or form, but that it's also okay just to take a beat and take time for yourself. I mean, I think of one of my favorite quotes from James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, my first pandemic read, and then also has a great email newsletter, 321 Thursdays, that I would recommend to anybody in any walk of life. And one of his quotes that stuck with me the most over the years is most things are not worth having an opinion about. It's not the sexiest thing. Having a sports betting podcast when hot takes are all the rage. I know it's not going to get me the most downloads or the most views, but I love that thought that whether it's a game or whether it's something that somebody says on social media or so many other things in life, a lot of times if somebody asks what you think of something, it's okay just to say that you don't have much of an opinion. Maybe sometimes the boring answer is the most healthy answer. Um, mm -hmm. So I appreciate all the perspective you've shared here. And I hope that that connection I'm, I'm trying to make to wrap this up is useful to um, anything for you moving forward or for anybody listening to this conversation as well. Yeah, no, you, you, you nailed it. There's a lot of corollary between needing to take a break from betting, needing to take a break from social media, needing to take a break from things that you have control over that you know are not a positive influence right now in your mental state. Boom, you said it perfectly. All right. Well, thank you for a very, I think, profound first part of the Malinsky Minute this week. Quite a bit longer than a minute, but I think well worth it. And a, a quicker second part we can work in here, Jack. 
Dave, as I touched on, was really big into edges, not only in betting, but edges in life beyond the betting boards. He would go pretty far for them, Mount Charleston for some epic hikes high above the Las Vegas Valley. And when it comes to betting boards in a casino, I don't think you have to go nearly as far to catch Jack capturing edges. I think back to some <laughs> epic runs with you as the shooter at a craps table on Circa's casino floor at Bet Bash 3. I was so fortunate to be at one of those tables after the Sports Gambling Hall of Fame induction ceremony and the VIP party at the Legacy Club. Just coming downstairs and and getting to experience you shooting dice at craps was a highlight after I thought the biggest highlight of Bet Bash had already come and gone. So first <laughs> off, Jack, in a public forum, thank you for paying for my trip to Vegas for Bet Bash 3 with there that role. And second, what's your thought process when it comes to shooting in craps? Are you trying to roll a specific number? Or are you basically, once once it's established what you're trying to hit, is it basically just trying not to get a seven in the meantime? As a total amateur, I'm just wondering... This is so fascinating to watch. What's going through your head when things are going really hot at the table? All right. So here's the thing about craps. Craps is theoretically beatable. It's not practically beatable. Uh, there's been people that have tried for years. Stanford Wong wrote a book about it, Wong on Dice, where he talked about um, controlled craps dice throwing, basically. Uh, I practiced that for a while. I bought myself a craps table. I had casino quality dice. I set up, uh, I threw thousands and thousands of rolls, tracked them on spreadsheets, uh, came up with my, you know, the way to set the dice, the, the exact motion. Um, theoretically, it's all possible. And in the comfort of your living room, it, it does work if you practice enough. And what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to limit the axes of rotation so that the, the dice are not as variable as they could possibly be by uh, if you were just like scatter throw them. Now, in theory, that's correct. In practice, it's much harder than that. And if we had a slow motion camera on the craps table that night, you would see that the dice were probably not limiting any extra axes of rotation. Um, did I have an edge that night, Matt? No, I didn't have an edge. I haven't thrown dice before. Well, I threw the night before that final night um, because they had asked me to, to come on. And I probably hadn't thrown it in like three years before that. I was out of, I was out of practice. I'm, it's like a pitcher who can throw a very unique pitch, maybe a knuckleball or a, a knuckleball is a lot of variance, maybe a, a very strong curveball. If they don't practice that curveball again and again, they can't get that same muscle memory to throw that curveball again. And that's sort of what controlled dice throwing is. Now, that's the that's the physics level. On top of that, you normally have people at the other end of the table who have their chips all over the place, and that creates vari variance and variables. And if you notice, the you guys that were at the other end of the table all moved your chips to the side so that there was this big landing space there for me. And that, oh, that was yeah. wonderful. Chris and then, Bruno made sure of that. Chris was all over it, giving <laughs> you the, the clear path. Chris, uh, funny story about Chris is... Uh, I, you know, I'm throwing and, and the one roll went for like 20, 30 minutes or so. And uh, I turned to, I turned to Chris and I go, um, I said something like, uh, you know, I got, I got a good feel going right now. And he just stared at the floor. And then I, you know, threw the dice again. And I, I looked over at him again and I go, uh, pretty good, pretty good roll we got right now. And he goes, you don't talk to the guy throwing a no hitter. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, it looks so make it short here. What I was doing there, yeah, I, I had practiced that years ago. I was completely out of muscle memory. Those were not uh, positive EV throws. We just got lucky. We got lucky that night. We got lucky the night before. Uh, a lot of people made a lot of money, but it wasn't anything more than variance. Um, you know, maybe it's it's sort of akin to, uh, you know, picking a, a 200 to one shot to win the World Series and they went ahead and, and won it. And, you know, that happened with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, or the Texas Rangers, rather. So uh, it, it can happen. All right. Well, I'm just glad to have been there for the experience. And even without expecting an exact repeat at Bet Bash 4, if there's an opportunity just to get at the table together again, then I will be fighting for room to take that all in <laughs> firsthand. Sure. Jack, sure. I also want to weave in the hops here, another pillar of this show. And your first appearance on Props and Hops came on the day of the first Bet Bash back in August of 2021. 
And you had a great call, Great Lakes Brewing, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, a reference to a folk rock song. You had a really funny story about that and some references you were making that weren't exactly landing with the target <laughs> audience. Over these past couple of years, would you say that there is a favorite beer or a favorite drinking experience that you've been able to enjoy since then? Well, it, it's suitable that you have had me on now in December because my new favorite beer only comes out this time of the year. It's a seasonal beer from Trogues Brewery in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And if you are east of Indiana, north of South Carolina, anywhere in that quarter of the country, you can find Mad Angry Elf. Elf. Yes. Mad Elf. And Mad Elf is, um, it's a fun one because it's 11% alcohol. Uh, if you go to a bar where they serve Mad Elf, you will probably get limited after two, uh, probably two 10-ounce pours even. Um, the, it's, it's, a, it's a beer that'll, that'll F you up. So um, <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy having some Mad Elf, especially this time of year. It's one of these beers that if you're in a social situation where you just don't feel it, and that happens a lot around the holidays, uh, if, you have, if you've got a few Mad Elfs nearby, they'll get they'll get you through um it's a it's a great beer it's it's definitely not a bottle beer it's it's a it's a chalice goblet type of beer that um you enjoy that way but it's uh, it's got a nice cherry taste to it but not overly cherry like uh sam adams cherry wheat so give it a try if you can get it mad elf from trogues brewery i love that call because when you first mentioned a seasonal beer i thought of celebration ale which is an amber fresh hop ipa by sierra nevada that has some pretty good national distribution but i've talked about that quite enough on this show already this holiday season so i was glad that you went in a different direction and as soon as you said trogues at first i don't know why i thought angry elf so i was close but that elf is the throwback i think it would have been this time in 2017 i was back east visiting in-laws for christmas and i had a chance to try it and i loved it and I was doing a different podcast at the time. Speaking of the Malinsky Minute, I was with Dave Malinsky. We were doing a show called House of Yards, and that was the beer that we featured on the show the following week. And I haven't thought about it for more than a couple of seconds since then. And now I'm just itching to get back at it as soon as I'm back east. So thank you for the tip. And uh, yeah, anybody in the Trogues footprint, I remember my first impression of that beer years ago. To your point, a little goes a long way, but a really yes. fun experience that you can only get this time of year. Absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, that's great. That kind of ties it all together. Uh, you know, Matt, I do have to say, uh, the way you honor Dave Malinsky, I never met Dave, but the way you honor him and the way other people that knew him honor him, he must have been one hell of a guy because uh, you guys carry on his legacy. And I, I think it's, it's wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And that was, yeah, that was one when he suddenly passed in the spring of 2018, hit me about as hard as anything I've ever experienced. But to see so many other people rally around him and his legacy, even others I know who never met him, but followed his work on different platforms in his written point blank column that was on pregame and then sbrpicks.com. The, the following he had extended so far beyond people who just love to bet. There were people who are foodies who are, you know, into craft beer or spirits or hiking. And, you know, um, I think Arnie Lang phrased it high desert vegetation. There are just so many different touch points in his life that so many people have been able to bond over in the past few years. So while it's still just, you know, saddens me from time to time that he's no longer with us, I'm so thankful to have crossed paths with him when I did. And uh, the doors that that's opened, e even in the past five years, has just been remarkable. So I appreciate you noting that, and we'll definitely continue to do whatever I can to uh, bring good memories or positive experiences to others as an extension of what Dave did for myself and so many others. And Jack, as a pretty rough force transition, I will say, speaking of bringing positive experiences to others, I would love to wrap things up by talking a bit about what you've got cooking at unabated.com. I know with the NFL season, in full swing, college football, bowl season, NBA, college basketball, NHL, there's a lot going on. So I guess if you were to give an elevator pitch for listeners of this show about the value proposition of an unabated.com, why would you say they should check it out if they're not doing so already on a regular basis? Yeah. So elevator pitch, I'll try to keep it short. Um, look, if I think one thing that gets, that gets missed by a, a lot of people that talk about unabated is a large part of it is completely free. Uh, for instance, if you need an odd screen, 
and you just need to check the lines at the major sports books, DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars. We've got them in real time, completely free, no delay. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of dwell on the fact that, oh, unabated costs, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. That's for all the tools. And that kind of shows you how valuable we think the tools are that we're giving away a lot of the odd screen and a lot of the content for free because the value is really in the tools. And so come out, experience the odd screen, experience all the education. We've got videos on how to build models. I've got, I've written over a hundred articles for the site. Um, there's, we've got the podcast, we've got plenty of information out there that'll help you be a sharper, better. And then hopefully once you do that, you'll see the value proposition of paying for a subscription where you can use all of our tools to find out, uh, you know, how much a, a half line should be worth or half point should be worth, uh, find out, you know, how to find the best value on props on DFS pick them like prize picks and underdog. We've got a lot of content about that and a lot of tools for that. The teasers that I mentioned, uh, you know, pointing yourself towards a 17% edge, not too shabby. So, uh, yeah, but check us out for the free stuff. Come check it out and then uh, decide if maybe unabated is right for you. And uh, there, that's uh, I think we've reached the ground floor in the elevator. All right. It might have been a tall building, but I think it was a good ride. I am not going to be able to match that pitch but I will give it my best shot. A quick ask to this audience. If you're still tuned in, that's a strong indication that you're liking the show. To those of you with us on YouTube, I'd appreciate it if you could like this video on Twitter, if you could like the post where this video resides and podcast form. If you could take five seconds to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be greatly appreciated as well. And last but not least, however you're listening, in addition to checking out Unabated, Check out the free stuff. See if you want to stay for the more advanced tools. I'd also encourage you, if you can, to support this show by supporting the team over at Writing Goal Sports via the custom link I've built, tinyurl.com slash picks. Jack, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. I want to make sure before doing so that people know where they can find your work. A good starting point on Twitter at CapJack2000. Also, once again, check out what Jack and the team are up to at unabated.com. Jack, we touched on it earlier, but I will say that I'm already looking forward to next August when I'll be undoubtedly fighting for a spot at your craps table in a Vegas <laughs> casino during Bat Bash 4. In the meantime, it's been such an honor having you back on the show. Thank you so much for all your time and insight tonight. Anytime, Matt. It was a pleasure. And to those of you watching and listening, thank you for your time as well. Enjoy week 14 in the NFL. Maybe we'll actually win a better two this time as far as my picks go. The guests have been hot, so I'm confident that Jack can carry that forward as well. Anyway, a slice it. Enjoy week 14 and best of luck with your bets this weekend.